All right. Do you want me to do the intro thing? I I, I guess. Sure. We don't have Rob. Knock yourself out. Yeah. We got to. <laughs> we got to make do. Oh, no. Who's the top? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is staying in. I was, I was thinking that. I was like, oh, no. If it's me and David. <laughs> so, no. Both bottoms. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I would think we're more switches, kind of. But, yeah. 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 I'm going to do my best. Despite everything. Hello. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a Stasis Pod extra special episode uh, this week, uh, because Rob is otherwise occupied with some stuff. Uh, David and I are getting together to do our first episode of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon podcast. <laughs> well, presumably there are enough of them also, but we're doing an episode... I bet there are. But like many random 80s cartoons, this is a thing we could possibly come back to for fun. I mean, I I know it's not one of those things like literary criticisms of X-Men comics that you can literally pay your rent doing, but I'm sure oh, that yeah. they're... Or Gundam podcast. Well, because those ones, like, they're heavily researched. <laughs> yes. We, in theory, could do that, but we just don't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, also, like, like what normally we're doing Transformers, and there's only so much to research in each episode, unless we're trying to research the nonsense tech that the Decepticons are stealing this episode. Someday. I, mean, I guess for, the, like, the last episode, we could have watched some noir movies. Someday but. I'm going to get through the 12 episodes, or, or 12 hours of talking about Madeline Pryor on the... Cerebro podcast. Oh, that, that's a that's a, oh no, they split it into multiple yes, episodes. I would hope split okay. it into Still, to four episodes, and uh, that that should be an audio book. It's it's a lot, but also she deserves it. She deserves everything she is given and everything she takes. Yes. <laughs> so yes, we have decided this week for a special. Uh, David and Rob got to talk about the Dungeons Dragons movie, which I yes. have now seen. Oh, yay. And was a lot of fun, and I felt it had exactly the correct amount of totally unnecessary side character backstory for player characters. Yeah. Uh, but today we are going to talk about an episode of the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Uh, it was uh, one of the rare Sunbow productions that was actually a Saturday morning cartoon, uh, most of Sunbow stuff ended up as uh, weekday stuff, uh, but the Dungeons Dragons cartoon was actually a co-production uh, between TSR and Marvel Productions. Well, wasn't this was before Transformers and stuff, right? It was a little before Transformers. Uh, it ran so maybe the, like maybe like after this was suggestful. It's like let's make a shitload more episodes and do like five episodes a week nonsense. Yeah. It ran on CBS from 1983 through 1985. Uh, technically, it counted as three seasons, but it was kind of like one 13-episode season and then two kind of short half-seasons. Oh, well, okay. So it was a total of 27 episodes. Oh, that is weird. And just, you know, you, you mentioned it is before Transformers, but oh my god, they have the music. It's all... <laughs> it's... it's yeah, exactly. That Marvel Productions, all of that incidental background music, and, and uh, the voice actors, some yes, of them, and the voice actors who were just in in everything at the time. Uh, so, 
Did you watch this when it was on? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I I knew very little of Dungeons and Dragons back then, mm-hmm. other than this cartoon. Like I'd heard of and and I'd seen like some mini figures or something, but mm-hmm. never got to play it. Yeah. So I, most of D and D, I just osmosed through this. I was not really aware of it as a game so much because I was living kind of in the middle of nowhere, and I'll just say that the the environment that I grew up in. Uh, at one point, my my father was actually uh, working on his master's degree when I was a kid, and at one point, he brought me this like college style evolution coloring book Mm. Uh, which later when I was you know working at bookstores I I came across similar ones from the same series that were like for college Uh, but uh, of course I didn't super understand when I was a kid but my parents were like yeah don't take that to school (laughs) (laughs) it was uh, the rural south Uh, So I grew up in a household that was not likely to uh, be taken over by any satanic panic, but the neighbors, like the rest of the community, yeah, a little bit more. So yeah, I was absolutely allowed to watch this. It's funny because I remember watching it, I remember liking it, but until recently, I could not have told you what happened in any particular episode. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, I, yeah the, the vague stuff is like, oh, there's Dungeon Master, there's Venger, there's, I can name the kids, and other than, like, one episode, which was, like, the episode that was always on, I couldn't remember mm-hmm. damn episodes at all. I did have one episode that was on the, I assume, VHS tape that just, like, my grandpa my grandmother had taped off a Saturday morning and just had in the break room at work where my my mom was working there at the time, though it was my paternal grandmother. Uh, but I would go and just watch the tape, and there was, like, an episode of Get Along Gang, and, <laughs> and there were some Dungeons Dragons on there. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely watched it as a kid, was not really aware of the the game aspect of things, because I was, like, probably about five years too young for that. Yeah, I, I don't think I really even knew about the game until, like, the late 80s. Yeah. Really. But definitely old enough for Saturday morning cartoons. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this was a Marvel Productions production, uh, CBS 83 through 85. Uh, so it's one of the earlier Marvel productions, I guess, before it was really properly Sunbow. Uh, the voice cast... Uh, we can start with the, well, I'll, I'll start with the premise of the show, uh, which, yes. much like back when we discussed my, my beloved show Kid video for a Patreon episode, uh, it, yes. is a, it is a portal fantasy. It, it is a classic isekai. Yes, it's, it's what the kids these days are calling an isekai. Or, uh, or in the old days, we would call uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, I... I think by or, uh, the time I was Alice in Wonderland and other stuff. in high school, I was aware of the concept of portal fantasy hmm. as something that I was snobby about fantasy novels for using. Yeah, well, because <laughs> originally it was like fantasy settings for young girls. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it became fantasy settings for boys. Yeah. Because somebody 
monetized it. Yeah. So, and and much like Kid Video, all of that is set up. I have actually described Kid Video as the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon meets the monkeys. Uh, so the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon sets all that up in the intro. Uh, we start off with the kids getting on a roller coaster. A really awesome looking roller coaster that has never existed. So the roller coaster goes into a big dragon head that's got Dungeons and Dragons over the top of it. And I really appreciate that it's got the little TM on there. <laughs> this is an officially licensed Dungeons and yeah, Dragons roller coaster. it feels like it should exist somewhere. And then there, there's various monsters inside and then everything goes psychedelic. And then they go through a portal and then there's a fairy and their Subaru brat turns into... Wait, no, that's, that's kid video again. <laughs> uh, they go through and there is... <sighs> You know, would would you just say that Dungeon Master is just a little person? I yeah, it's hard to tell if like he's supposed to be a little person or a gnome. He's got big like y- like old Willow vibes. Yeah, like I could absolutely see him played by Warwick Davis. Yeah, possibly. So they get to this world, and a guy who a old like bald white long hair and a wizard robe little person uh, he introduces himself as dungeon master and gives them all magical weapons and assigns them classes uh, yes. as as the dungeon master might do including um, classes that aren't really standard dungeons and dragons classes yeah i don't know if like acrobat and cavalier edition had oh, an acrobat or maybe I don't know. Maybe it was like a splat book or something. It, 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 those two were always just... I, I tilt my head at. Once so, I learned about D&D classes. So the one with extreme main character vibes uh, gets a bow and is declared to be a ranger. Uh, the youngest one is given a club and is declared to be a barbarian. Uh, the nerdy odd. one is uh, given a mat, like a wimple. <laughs> yeah, like standard wizard looking ha- well kind of wizard hats usually have brims his his is more of a sock yeah head. and he is the magician uh there's a girl who is given an invisibility cloak and declared to be a thief and there is a boy who is given a shield and declared to be a cavalier and there is a girl who is given I know she refers to it as a javelin at some yeah, point. Yeah, but it's it's like a bow staff. It's like it's like a bow staff. It's it's big uh, Donatello vibes. Yeah, uh, and is declared to be an acrobat, and uh, only given a fur bikini. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So that is what the opening credits establishes for everybody. Fear not, Ranger. Barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. Who was that? That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so, uh, before we get into this specific episode... The voice actors. Yes. Uh, Dungeon Master, 
We'll start with Dungeon Master. He, I kind of wish Rob had been here for this because I feel like this is someone he knows. Uh, what is he, a Canadian movie star? I don't think he's Canadian, but his first credits were in 1930. Ooh. His name is Sidney Miller. Uh, he did eventually pass away in the early aughts at the age of 87. Hmm. Uh, so he was actually an old guy when he was doing this. Oh, uh, geez, he's got a 150 credits. Yeah. yeah, he was in, like I said, he's got a lot of director credits for hmm. just like episodes of Get Smart and stuff like that, which is pretty wild. Uh, he oh, also... He, wow, so many 30s movies. Oh, my goodness. He was also in one episode of Small Wonder. Uh, <laughs> I, admittedly, I don't recognize any of these 30s movies. Not that I've seen a lot of 30s movies, but I've seen so. But, yeah, that's why I feel like Rob has probably seen some of these, like, extremely niche movies. That yeah, come it seems here. like maybe, like, half of his... Filmography is like the 30s and early 40s. Get Hep to Love from 1942. Babes which... on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, so he he was a uh, an authentically musicals? old person when hmm. this was made. Uh, so he is sort of the a little mysterious. He, he tends to just sort of show up and give them all somewhat cryptic guidance and then disappear. And uh, so he's, you know, he's the dungeon master. Mm. Yeah, uh, he, have... he, books, he bookends the episodes with riddles that are cryptic and yet not. Like yeah. in hindsight, there's like, oh, that one was obvious. <laughs> uh, you have the ranger is Hank. Uh, like I said, big, like leader character energy because he's got blonde hair and blue eyes and he gets a big old arrow okay so hank is played by willie ames more old time actors who actually he's not that old time well he's but... not as old but it's like he was already an established actor when we were small yeah he was apparently well he was a child actor oh that's why yeah he was in Shit. So he was one of the kids in Eight is Enough oh, in the late yes. 70s. Uh, most <laughs> notably to me. Now, again, I did not have a fundamentalist upbringing, uh, but I know people who did. And also I worked in bookstores in the late 90s and through to the mid aughts, uh, especially used bookstores. So I was there for that period when there was that big fundamentalist media push that gave us like Veggie Tales. Oh, and Veggie Tales was like the best of that section. So he was Bible Man. Oh my god! He, <laughs> the Rangers by I yes, I never put that together. Admittedly, I've, I've like not seen an entire episode of Bible Man, but I've seen clips before. No. <laughs> He was Bible Man. Not realize uh, in 1995 through 2004, according Ooh. to IMDb. So <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so he's just you know your basic upstanding main character. Yeah, that that is his role. Uh, you have Sheila, uh, who is Katie Lee. Uh, she has also been in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, she. 
basically, she's just like a very established voice actress. Uh, she did some video game stuff somewhat recently. Uh, it's a lot of there are a lot of additional voices. Yeah, well, that that's kind of a lot of this cast also. Oh, she was in Mighty Max for an episode. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also, she was Sunny Gummy from Gummy Bears. Oh, so yeah, she again had had a fairly solid, if not extremely notable, career. Uh, and she is your girl character. Uh, she's yeah. got re- sort of a red, short red hair, and she has a cl- uh, cloak of invisibility. Yeah, that's spunky teen girl energy. Yes, she's got a bit of that spunky teen girl energy. Uh, she is the older sister, and you, I don't know if you picked up on, on that, because there is a point where Bobby is very upset about bad things happening to Sheila. I remember from the 80s, yes, they're, they're siblings. Yes, she is the older sister to Bobby the Barbarian. Yes, which uh, explains why there's a small child with these, like, late teens. Yes, that, you know, it's good when they explain that and don't just have them, like, creeping. Why are we hanging so, out with a 12-year-old? He is Teddy Field or the third. Uh He was in very few things. Hmm. He, he was in the Mr. T cartoon. Oh, so presumably he was an actual child. Yeah. Uh, there's something in the trivia notes on IMDb about him auction- auditioning for the part without his father's consent. Oh. Uh, and his father was actually one of the show's producers, though. Uh, well, sure. Okay, Teddy so... Teddy Field the second got him The trivia job. note Excuse is me. he auditioned for the part of Bobby the Barbarian without his father's knowledge or consent. His father was... His father was one of the show's producers, and upon learning about the audition, excused himself from the voice selection process. <laughs> oh. Uh, also, I've really appreciated that the uh, the guy playing him in that brief cameo in the live-action movie was just, mm. like, a short, buff guy. Yeah, well, because they, like, <laughs> aged them up, and, and they didn't want to have a small child, so it's was like, let's find the buffest short man we can find. Yes. Uh, so then we have Presto the Magician. Uh, presumably Presto is not his real name, but everyone has just decided to call him this in lieu of, like, well, an actual name. Presumably his name is, like, Preston. He is also one who did some child acting roles. Uh, so when this was made, he was, like, teens, older, or uh, older teens, early 20s. He was in one episode of Silver Spoons. He was not in a whole lot. Uh, and then we have uh, Don Most was... Ah, yes. Donnie Most. Was Eric the Cavalier. So, okay, I had this this thing I was thinking, and this is probably just me being difficult or weird. Mm-hmm. That, so... And again, like Kid Video, you had Ash, who was, like, complaining all the time. Yeah. And Eric is the character who's complaining all the time. And apparently, the, like, censor people said that he had to actually always be wrong. Because you couldn't have the one who was whiny and complaining all the time actually have a valid point. Which seems really... Well, it's like, okay, the bitchy one, yes, is wrong. 
most of the time. The fact that, like, they series Bibled him must always be wrong feels weird. It, I, even as a child, I was, like, waiting for the episode where, like, oh, he's ironically right. And One not episode. for creative purposes, just because, like, broadcast standards and practices decided that it would be bad to have him be right sometimes. Like, mm. you couldn't have that kind of complexity. I kind of wonder if Marvel Productions moved to syndication a little more because of the amount of that kind of Ooh. BS and P interference and pushback this show got. Yeah, maybe. Because it, y there was a lot more freedom being on syndication. Hmm. Uh, but it may also be that they could shovel out huge piles of episodes and, <laughs> you know, have it on every day after school. So the thing about that is that I kind of, and I think I mentioned this in the kid video episode, that I couldn't tell from what I saw about the voice actor slash face actor for Ash, but I got mm. Jewish vibes from him. Kind of? Eric's voice actor is actually Jewish. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Ralph from Happy Days. So I'm kind of side-eyeing these shows having the, like, whiny complainer character be kind of Jewish-coded, but... I think part of it is also that Eric is New York coded. Yes, he, he's uh, he, well. Yes, he reads his New York coded, which could be Jewish or Italian or something. It's like <laughs> kids I grew up with, basically. Yeah, yes, and that also kind of fits in with the being a whiny bitchy. <laughs> yeah, you're an asshole. <laughs> Pain in the ass. So that kind of there's an overlap there that you can't do a whole lot about. Uh, but in Eric's cases, can confirm that his voice actor is actually Jewish, but also from New York. So, he also he's a, he has red hair, or did have red hair before he went white. <laughs> was it like or like tan? I can't remember. Well, Eric the characters is definitely well, yes, brown. Eric, Eric is is black, yeah. And Ashes is actually like curly in a very mm. Ashkenazi sort of way, so that's why mm. it was kind of like, uh, "What we doing, guys? What we doing?" But, but it's not like they're bad. You also have Presto there, who's the kid with the glasses. Yeah, Presto's he fits like the nerdy stereotype, the nerdy one. So, yeah. uh, so yes, that is Eric. He complains a lot, and he's he's the best and worst character. Broadcast standards and practices says he's always got to be wrong. Mm. Uh, the character who I would say probably gets the least significant role in this episode would be Diana the Acrobat. Yeah. Uh, though she does, I mean, she does a little more later. There's a point early, like a couple minutes in the episode where I was like, was she actually in any of these scenes so far? <laughs> Well, it it it's very much it's it's a Power Rangersy thing that sometimes we don't have shit for the second girl to do. That and that could be some depending of that. upon the writers. But once we get a little later into the episode and everybody's separated, she does as much as everyone else. So Ooh. so that's okay. We did not completely forget about Diana. Uh, she is a black girl. She's got like natural hair, which is yeah amazing to see in the eighties. And that short fur bikini and she's got a little fur bikini which is a little scandalous <laughs> for yeah. the fact that she's like 15 also i i will i will complain about color palettes a bit it's like the color palette of the most of the show is fine but her design she's she's a black girl 
I can see that. She probably could have used In some... a dark brown fur bikini. And she her lipstick used... <laughs> is also a different shade of dark brown. She could have used some, like, I don't know, pattern fur that made it yeah, pop or, a little bit. Or lighter or something. Like, except for her hair. In a distance shot, she's just a blur of brown. I mean, her, like, look, guys. her look is actually just as much barbarian as Bobby's is. Yeah. It's just that. I don't know where this acrobat comes from, and I'm kind of curious. <laughs> like, again, like, is that some well, first acrobat- edition acrobatics thing? is a skill? Yeah. I is it a job class in some weird version of D anD? Maybe. Again, maybe it's like some weird first edition. I don't know what edition they were at in '83. I don't know if that was still first edition or. I think second. Maybe advanced. Oh yeah, it might have. Yes, it might have been advanced. Might have been started. A D and D by then. So the group is rounded out uh, by the one who actually gets to do the least in this episode. Uh, The Bobby's tiny unicorn friend Uni. Okay, from googling it in fifth edition, there's acrobat as like a late edition and Uh creatures that are acrobats, but like I don't see it listed like. Before 3.5, which was well after this show. Yeah, that was so a point where people were mostly just thinking of the show as kind of cringe. So hmm. that's interesting. But at least they did eventually put that in there. But yeah, she would be a good design if they could give her a little more like color. and Yeah, a little, like a little more contrast. Looking at the, the DVD cover from the wiki page she just sort of blends into the background whereas mm. sheila's like pink top and red hair and purple cloak or, and well also, well maybe the color was originally better in the original version <laughs> but we have vhs degradation at this yeah, point well, it's on dvd at this point well yes but it's like I, i'm guessing the masters weren't preserved perfectly and they weren't touched up on the colors as much as the anal retentiveness of fixing G1 episodes and fucking up the colors in G1 episodes. Oh no, is this a hot rod situation? Are we having a hot Possibly. rod situation? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so we've got a little unicorn named Uni. Uh, judging from the episode list, there are episodes that have a lot more to do with unicorns. Also, apparently Uni is a she. Um, eh. But she is voiced by Frank Welker doing cute little animal voices. His, his weird little animal noises. As as he does. As he is known for. Uh, speaking of Frank Welker, not Frank Welker, but his good counterpart, Peter Cullen. Hmm. One of the more fun things uh, of the series. Oh, wait, uh, go, <laughs> going, going back to, to Diana the Acrobat, she wasn't in anything else. Oh, that's cute. Well, little. at least look uh, IMDB. It's like This and, like, an episode of some TV show in the 80s. Her her actress's name is Tanya Gale-Smith, and she was in an episode of The Facts of Life as some extra who didn't actually even get a name. So, that was sad. She should have got some stuff. It's like, none of the voice actors in this are bad. They're all pretty good. Yeah, everybody is... Or they're just veterans. Again, it's not like Kid Video where they... Cast yeah, them video to was be rougher. a band first, and the only one who could actually voice act was Cousin Oliver. <laughs> so, uh, 
so yes, the bad guy, very fun thing with this series is the bad guy is evil, evil Peter Cullen. Uh, Which, his name is Venger. He's got like this asymmetrical, like one horn. Yes. And he's got like gray white skin and, and he's sort wearing of fangs. a sort. Yeah, he's got like vampire fangs and he's wearing this like, it's almost like a Japanese sort of robe kind of thing. The way it like. Doesn't it have sort of a thing in the front, and it's or maybe yeah, I'm thinking well, like Korean, or maybe maybe it's, well because it's got like it's got like a mantle and a skirt and and this thing down the front that is like maybe is part of his hood. Yeah, it's hard. I don't. It doesn't seem like it's just all one piece. It seems like yeah, there's a skirt layered. to it, which is yeah. It's his design is very. His design is very cool. It's simple and really it's good. It's very cool, but it's a little hard to describe. It's like, just having that one horn just adds so much to him. One horn. Like, it's unwritten character. Like, <laughs> he got fucked up once, but he, he fucks people up. He doesn't have a broken horn on the other side. He's just well, no, but got like, one asymmetrical horn. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I always figured, like, it was broken off at some point. I think he is just doing, he's making a fashion statement. Well, yes. He's just got one horn, and he just straight up sounds like evil Peter Cullen. Yeah, it's, it's not like I can't think of any other incident where Peter Cullen is evil. And it's He's fun. not very often. He was like the evil twin of Kit in a couple episodes oh, right. of Knight Rider. He was car. I forgot about that. So he he was a couple times. I think eventually by like. His tsunami period, he he got to where he just wanted to focus on good guys because it, you know, felt more rewarding. Mm. Um, but yeah, in the 80s, occasionally, I mean, there was Predator. <laughs> that doesn't wait, really wait, count. That's just some <laughs> noises. That's no, that, more that's... like, it's basically just uh, doing sound effects. That's Frank Welker was sick that day. Yes. Also, uh, I see that Wikipedia does have specific ages for everybody. Oh. So Hank and Eric are 15, Diana really? and Presto are 14, Sheila is 13, and Bobby is 9. That, oh, that, that feel, everyone feels like they're two years younger than, than I would have thought. <laughs> but they do have a very anime without looking anime look so yeah they're sort of older than they look uh, I mean it doesn't really or younger than them it doesn't really age I would have figured Hank was like 17 it doesn't really age them up when they go into the other world though I mean they look no. like teenagers so yeah they still look like teenagers I, I just always figured like Hank was 17 Diana does not need her mom to catch her in that outfit hmm. also I one last costume note I would like to point out that Bobby has a helmet with like cow horns on it, like yes, inaccurate Viking style. I I do like that Presto's wizard outfit is green. It's not like traditional red or black or something. It's green. Yeah, it's a green wizard. So this episode is towards the middle of the first season. Uh, these oh, did we mention Uni? We did mention Uni. Uni. Okay. Uni. Yes. Because uh, he is Frank Welker. She. She, apparently. She. According yes. to <laughs> Wikipedia. So, yes. Uni, she is the group pet. 
kind of Bobby's a little more than everyone else's, though. There are episodes about her and her people, which I might have to go back and watch. Uh, So, yes, this episode is towards the middle of the first season. So that means uh, it's aired in... Actually, here we go. We got actual air dates. I'm trying to be Rob here. Trying to be the Rob. (laughs) Uh, First aired November 2nd, 1983. Uh, So I would have been about five years old. Maybe six. I don't want to do the math. Written by Buzz Dixon. Yes, written by our good friend, uh, occasional Twitter. I don't know if he's still on Twitter, because I'm not on Twitter anymore. Uh, but his his Twitter was mm. fun to follow for just, like, the leftist version of boomer memes. So, oh. <laughs> that was fun. He seems like a really nice guy. Uh, but yeah, he is still around, uh, occasionally writing some books and stuff. I don't know if he's got, like, a formal publisher or if he's just doing self-pub. Uh, but yeah, favorite of the podcast, Buzz Dixon. Uh, so as this episode begins, uh, it is a dark and stormy night. Actually, I guess it's not really night, but it's definitely stormy. Uh, very. And Venger is writing his nightmare He's got this black horse. It flies. It doesn't have wings. Venger has wings. Mm. I don't know why Venger has... Venger's... It's such a... It's a good design, but also it's like, why does he have wings? Why does he only have one horn? Yeah, it would kind of would make more sense for his horse to have the wings. I think he does fly on his own occasionally, but... Maybe. Yes. Or or maybe, like, he's flying his horse by, like, gripping it really hard. <laughs> It's like the four, he just loves that horse and it, and it wants to be there and try and help. I mean, it's referred to as a nightmare, so I assume that this yeah. horse is like an actual particular. I'm pretty sure that's oh, yeah, an that's the thing. Like creature. Most of the creatures in this are actually from the game. Yes, and can be statted out. In fact, at the very beginning, is it Tiamat that they're fighting when they first yes. get there, and and Dungeon Master gives them all their weapons? It's like here you go, fight that five-headed dragon that's menacing you. Yes, the five-headed woman god dragon. Yes. Uh, So, yeah. Others' form tends to be sexy, but they never show that form in the cartoon. There aren't a lot of creatures in this episode, but when there are creatures, like, there's an episode with the Beholder, and it's... it's... There's hook whores. Yes. Uh, So, it is storming. He is flying his horse up a mountain in the storm, and he has been summoned by Dekion. Uh, Dekion is apparently a servant of Vengers, though, uh, who was tasked with finding a circle of power, which is not a very creative item name, honestly. Like, y'all gotta try harder. Uh, He's found the circle of power that they have been looking for. Uh, It is in a place called the Lost Tower, but they need someone pure of heart to retrieve this. Now, of course, that rules both of them out. So Dekion is a he's a skeleton knight yes he's a skeleton knight because of venger yes this and shit he did in the past this sounds like something that they probably got fussed at for by broadcast standards and practices but he is absolutely a skeleton knight he's only got like one eye that has an eye in it and the other one's just empty and he's got like not like plate knight armor, just like knight armor that's probably chainmail. 
Yeah, layered chainmail and stuff and cloth. Yes. So he, but like, he's legit just like a skeleton knight. <laughs> uh, so he has found the circle of power, but they need someone pure of heart. And they're like, well, we're not pure of heart. Uh, and Venger's like, it's okay. I know some kids. Uh, it's okay. I know five teenagers with attitude yes. or six. Six teenagers and a small unicorn with mm. attitude, by which I mean purity of heart. I don't know if purity <laughs> and heart, purity of heart and attitude are like really the same thing, though. No, not really. <laughs> so Avengers, like, it's okay. I, I got somebody I can trick into doing this for us. Uh, yes. Meanwhile, in seemingly the same storm on a creaky bridge over a chasm. Yeah. A rope bridge, as you would find in Indiana Jones and many other cartoons. So our brave heroes are crossing this chasm on this creaky-ass rope bridge in the middle of a storm, and it's going about how you'd expect. Yes, just screaming unicorn noises and much complaining. Yes. And then the weather stops. Eric is bitching. Well, Eric is always bitching. Yes. The, the weather stops and suddenly DM is on the rope bridge right in front of them. Yep, Dungeon Master is just standing on the rope bridge right in front of them. Uh, he's like, hey, there's this lost tower. Uh, at one point, Eric refers to him as your shortness, which seems rude. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure Presto tells him that's rude. Yeah. Uh, and Dungeon like, Master... Oh, I- Says, I don't remember if there are ever elves or dwarves in this. Presumably, are there somewhere? But probably. Yeah, I don't know. I feel. I don't know. That feels like something that might be edging too close to like to- getting getting the Tolkien estate's attention. Yeah, maybe not to mention like well, at least like in the first edition, like elf was a class. Yeah. So. Like, th- if this was AD&D, that might have changed by then, I think. They but. did. I suppose it is worth noting that uh, no one, like, race changed in the process of this yeah, no. this portal travel. Everybody's just humans. Which, looking back, is a good idea. No one was turned into a dwarf. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I think Bobby is short and a barbarian, but that's because he's yeah. nine years old. Just, yeah. So yes, he says that there is a law a place called the Lost Tower nearby, and it has what could be the key to getting them home. Because the big overarching goal is that they would like to go back home, please. Yes, please, please. There, there, there are crazy skeletons and hook horrors and beholders and mimics and all kinds of nonsense. Can we go home? This place is fun and all, but it's not as fun as kid videos flip side. So they yeah. they would kind of like to just go back home. Yeah, we we don't have a flying van to live in. No, we're we we just have the clothes on our backs. Yes, and one magical item each. Mm. So he gives them this cryptic guidance and then he disappears and then the bridge breaks. Yes. So everybody, child endangerment. Like, honestly, knowing what I do now about how difficult the network broadcast standards and practices people were to deal with during the 80s, I'm honestly Uh kind of amazed at how much of the show got made at all. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but bridge because they're in mortal peril, hanging down, and 
Eric climbs up over all of the yes. up the wall. Actually, I think that's what Presto says is rude. Not not calling yeah. Dungeon Master your shortness, which again ableist much. Yeah. Uh, so they get to the top of the bridge, and there's the skeleton knight. Ah. Yeah, but he, he's like not mentioned. He just puts his hand on Eric's shoulder, and everyone freaks out. Everyone assumes that he is attacking them. Uh, presto! So Presto has to do like a rhyme to do magic, but he's not very good at yeah. it. And also, a lot of times he just ends up conjuring modern real world stuff. So in this yeah, he ca- never like gets what he really asks for. So in this case, he accidentally pulls out the uh, receiver from a telephone. Uh, it's your mom. It's your mom. It's your mom. Which... And and then the skeleton's all like, I do not accept collect calls. And then Eric's... I don't think he has a mom. He crushes it, just crushes it in his hand. And yeah, Eric says, I don't think he has a mom. He's got to have a mom. I mean, his mom might be long dead, but he's got to have a mom. Yeah, he has long dead because he's been an animated skeleton man for who knows how many centuries. But no, Dekion says he he does not want to fight and he convinces them he's not there to fight. after he, like, no-sells all their other powers, like, the, the Cavalier shield is nothing to him, the, the the magic missile, he catches it and throws it away. It's <laughs> pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, he... Def- not I wouldn't say he defeats them, but he defends himself. No, he, he's all like, hey, guys, I just wanted to ask a question. Yes, he defends <laughs> himself impressively and then convinces them that he just wants to talk. Uh, so they have a bonfire, which is definitely, like, the best setting for listening to a Skeleton Knight's backstory. Oh, yeah. It's a really good scene because it's, it's, like, dark and he's telling it over the stories. And he says he was part of a band of mystic warriors, which Eric thought is a good name for a band. <laughs> yes. He, long ago, he was part of a group of celestial knights, uh, which I assume is some kind of, like, advanced subclass of knight. Probably. Or cavalier or something. And then an evil wizard cursed him to be a skeleton guy, and the circle of power will free him. And they're like, oh, that that might be that thing. Oh, yeah. And he does this by, like, like using the campfire to cast magic to show, to elucidate his tale. It's it's very good. He, did, he is a very good storyteller. Uh, so he also, at this point, I, I have realized, is also Frank Welker. <laughs> Which I didn't realize until you told me. It's like, the voice sounded familiar, but I just didn't look into it. It was like one of those voices that you just hear as, you know, one-off characters in a lot of 80s cartoons. But I was like, no, he sounds like specifically G1 Mirage. Not Pete Davidson, but G1 <laughs> Mirage. I looked that yes, up. back when he was a, a snobby bastard. Yes. And I looked that up, and sure enough, it was Mr. Already on the Payroll for this show, Frank Welker. Uh, hey! So, Dekion is Frank Welker doing uh, the same... Basically, it's, like, processed a bit, and it's a little different and a little more, you know, it's, it's acted differently. Um, but it's basically his G1 Mirage voice. So you can imagine him sounding like that. Mm. But it's nice because he's, I mean, like I said, it's processed a bit, but he's not like, I am a, there was a knight. And no, just, he's, he's trying to sound like a noble knight that is now a corpse. He sounds like a guy that, you know, you could 
run errands for and and he won't backstab you at the end uh so he tells them that the circle the circle of power uh again which really needs a punchier name it needs to be like the circle of infinite well, wisdom or something yeah something. but the circle of power will free him from his curse which I will I will point out when we get to the end does not go the way that I expected to. So that was <laughs> well, yeah, well, because what DM pops in to say later is like, oh, oh, I get it. Well, I also I'm sorry, but when I I like undead creatures, I am big well, on undead yes. characters. In my experience, Ensembles. when they want you to free them from their curse, what they mean is kill well, them okay. proper. Yes, in a normal situation that would be, but this is an 80s cartoon with standards and practices and control. Yes. They're not going to break his curse and he's going to turn in a pile of bones. A grateful pile of bones. He'll be the grateful mm. dead. But uh, Yeah, you, you might be able to get away with that in an animated movie in the <laughs> 80s, but not on a TV episode. But no, we're just saying that we'll break the curse and presumably as a child watching this, you are not familiar enough with zombie or undead lore to just assume <laughs> that that's going to kill him and he'll appreciate it. Uh, mm. Sheila is the first one to be on board with this because uh, she is nice and trusts people. And uh, Eric is very much not like, why are we trusting Skull Knight here? Yes. Uh, Eric is not on board, but Hank is, of course, going to take Sheila's side over Eric's because Sheila is hotter. So... <laughs> There's not a lot like Hank Sheila romance going on, but you can no, definitely it, see that like, as being like if there's a couple in this show, they're it. Yeah, but there's not nothing ever definitive. There's not really. Uh, so Sheila, everybody is convinced uh, he has rolled well on his persuasion check, uh, and they are going to go to this tower. Uh, so they approach this tower and it's like crazy tall. It's like super tall and thin. Uh, Ridiculously thin. Yes. And Dekion explains that it is held up by magic. So that's how it can exist because they're like, that is not a thing that should be possible. Yeah, this thing's like a mile high and only 10 feet wide. What the fuck? Yes. So it's got a big padlock on it. Uh, so Bobby does what Bobby does and smacks Bobby it. smash. Yes, Bobby smash. Uh, so he smashes the padlock and they open the door and it's a TARDIS. Yeah, it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> so it's, it's bigger on the inside. It's like Which an actual. Did feel like, wait, Buzz, were you watching Doctor Who? <laughs> I mean, he might have been. Because it, it was directly that was, that was a time when they were showing I, I'm, I'm sure that must have been on like pbs, PBS. Yep. i know it was on pbs at night because when i was a kid i remember the opening credits music like creeping me out <laughs> and then at some point my parents like debated which one of them actually watched it at the time and I was like, it's obviously dad. Why are you even reading <laughs> <Ooh>. this? <clears throat> Again, with with parents, you know, and there were a lot of, I mean, the satanic panic was serious business. Like that last season of Stranger Things was not mm. that big of a uh, exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah, not really. Oh, that would have been Fifth Doctor era. But uh, but my father apparently used to watch Thunder the Barbarian religiously, so. 
were they were not going to be put off by Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so yes, it is bigger on the inside. Uh, so they go in, and our skeleton buddy says he's going to wait at some ruins off to the east. Uh, so they go in, they're looking around, it's like an actual, almost like a castle inside, and then this, uh, sort of a, a gargoyle statue grabs Sheila's cape. Uh, and... Yeah, as gargoyles do, as they do. I guess. <laughs> And she manages to pull away from it, but then, like, a portable hole, like, Roger Rabbit style, yeah, suddenly opens the, in the spot floor. shows up. Yes, the spot shows up, opens a hole in the floor, and she falls through, and she wakes up, and she's just in, like, nowhere. A void with some rocks. Like, there's stars overhead, everything is flat, there's some rocks, I think the ground is a little wet, like you know, a centimeter of water and she is alone and she does not care for this. Uh, Yes, the upside down is no fun. She doesn't freak out but she is not happy about this. Mm. Uh, The rest of Well, she starts to get fearful which, oh hey, this is a tower of fears. Yes. So, yeah, so we do, like I said, despite some characters maybe not having a lot to do at the beginning, everybody gets a moment. Uh, mm. So they continue on. Now they're trying to figure out where Sheila got off to. Hank goes into a room and a, like a crystal wall grows across the opening behind him, separating him yeah, out the, from everybody else. That was a neat effect. The animation in this is pretty good. It, it's yeah. very Saturday morning cartoon, but good Saturday morning cartoon. I think Wikipedia said it was mostly done by Toei. Oh, so. that, yeah, that makes sense. It, it's got a, like a Lupin feel. Wait, did Toei do Lupin? No, that was uh, TMS. Oh, okay. I was just confused. Oh, no. Lupin, Lupin is Toei. Okay. Although maybe they shipped it out to Toei. Could, Toei outsources to a lot because they're a big company. Yeah. Uh, that could also be why three seasons only got them 27 episodes. Uh, yeah, the animation's really not bad. Uh, but again, the music all the way through extremely G.I. Joe slash Transformers background music. Well, which just means it. this had it first, yes. although presumably there was something else before. Yes, this did have it first. Also, that means I have this music on vinyl because I got that record that was put <laughs> out of all the uh, oh, G1 background music, which is very cool when it gets to the later stuff. The uh, season three got really hmm. interesting. Anyway, back to Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, and then they start just to get broke. Um, oh, no. Um, yeah. Presto, like, tries to get something to take down the wall, but it ends up creating a big cloud of pink fog, which separates them further. Yeah, Presto tries to take on the wall, but then everything gets foggy, and then they walk out of the fog, and Bobby and Diana are in one place, and Presto and Eric are in another place. And honestly, I feel like... In a swamp with trees. What Presto and Eric are both most afraid of is being alone together. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there, there's a little bit more than that, but them stuck together is like, oh, I hate you. I hate you, too. Least compatible characters. 
Uh, So meanwhile, Hank is looking around. He's trying to figure out how to get out of this room he's stuck in. He sees some stairs. The art in this room is really like, I don't even know if I can describe it. Oh, yeah. The backgrounds are cool. But the backgrounds are outside of fantasy at this point into just like weird art stuff. Um, Yeah. And he's... as he's going up the stairs, like, the stairs start vanishing behind him. Yep, he finds some stairs, starts going up the stairs, and the world starts dissolving behind him, just leaving, like, a void of stars. So yeah, that's not I, great. Like, there's... Is it Mario Odyssey? There, there's one of the Mario games that has, like, stages like that, where the area you're walking and there's light, there's ground, but outside of that, it's the void of space. Oof. Yeah, I don't... I don't like the void of space being below you. That's not where it goes. So, meanwhile, uh, Eric and Presto are just in sort of a swamp. Hmm. Eric is being an asshole about things and blaming everything on Presto. And then he gets covered by a random sheet out of nowhere and he gets donkey ears and a great big old nose and his voice (laughs) goes all like... (laughs) So <laughs> yeah, he starts making he starts making some Frank Welkery animal noises a bit. Yes, but like the, the sheet in a forest, like just comes out of nowhere, like it's a, a prankster ghost it is. that turns him slightly donkey. So then, some as as Presto is having a chance to laugh at him because he's he was picking on Presto about like saying everybody's laughing at you because you're so useless. And so then this sheet comes and turns Eric into something laughable. So that's that's pretty good character notes there. Mm. Uh, and then banshees show up and steal yes. Presto's glasses, which earlier on the bridge he almost loses so that he could have a moment of establishing that he is functionally Velma. Yeah, and well... The- of course, he's a cartoon character with glasses, but yes. somehow on the bridge, Sheila below him manages to catch his glasses and they don't just fall into oblivion. Yes. But now some banshees have shown up and stolen them. I don't know if these are like literally AD&D banshees or if there's some other kind of creature. Probably. Uh, I think there are. I, I mean, th- were visually they, male? they aren't quite what I would think of banshees. Yeah, they're male. Yeah, they're male but, for one. But Banshees sort of gives you the idea. They're ghostly and they yeah. fly around. Hovering, screaming. They're they're not like as loud, deafening screaming as Banshees should be. But so, so they come and they do two things. One of them is steal Presto's glasses and the other thing is laugh at Eric. So <laughs> yes. They, they are here to torment them. Uh, meanwhile, Diana and Bobby are in a hall of mirrors. Uh, like a fun house kind of hall of mirrors. One of them calls it out as being like a fun house. Uh, Uni stops for a moment and sees a scary monster in the mirror and well, makes first, Uni a scary sees, sound. Like, Uni is walking between two mirrors, mm-hmm. reflected in one, not reflected in the second one, freaks out. Then there's a monster. Yeah. Which, I th- like, you're like wits or ghosts or specters when they show or they're sort of zombie like when they do come out mm-hmm. yeah they when they do come out it's definitely big zombie vibes but uh, they come back to see what uni is so concerned about and diana sees herself being extremely old and bobby sees himself as a baby 
Because, again, he's the youngest, and I guess Diana, for her part, relies heavily on her physical abilities. So, you know, probably scared of losing that with age. And Mm. then they actually turn into being very old slash a baby. Uh, And then zombies come out of the mirrors to torment them. Yes. So that's, again, that's pretty scary for... 1983 CBS broadcast standards and practices. Yeah. Though I will also point out that I'm pretty sure the show is airing alongside a previous special episode, uh, Turbo Teen, which is not nearly so well written yeah. as the show. Yeah, no, that and and that's more body horror. That it's not meant to be creepy, but it is. The writing on this show is definitely significantly better than Turbo Teen. Yeah. So Hank gets to a point where the stairs disappear around him and he falls into a room that is kind of like, not like a treasure room and like a dragon horde sense, but more in like a museum sense where things are displayed. Uh, yeah, and- it, it's, it kind of feels like a, a throne room display area just without a throne. Yeah. And there is on sort of a, what's word? Spike like a- in the ground? Like a pi- like a stalactite almost, yeah, or stalagmite, whichever one comes from the floor. Might, uh, but yes, there's like a a big point coming up from the ground, and this the uh, a it's almost like a halo. Yes, it, like uh, you well, could it's, it's put it on your head. Big, yeah, it could. It, it's a little bigger than like halos usually are drawn, mm-hmm. but it's definitely smaller than a hula hoop. Yes, but it's just this this glowing ring thing. It's the circle of power. It's a frisbee. So he is looking at this and he's like, oh, hey, this looks like literally the thing we're looking for. And not not that they knew what it was, but it's like, oh, we're looking for a ring of power. Well, this is a glowing ring. It's called a circle of power. I don't see Sonic around here. I'm going to take it. It's called a circle of power. This is a circle and it's glowing in a way which suggests power. So, yeah. Uh, But then he hears the sound of all his friends in distress uh, coming from another... Yes, coming from underneath a sheet over an object, and he pulls it off, and it's an orb that he must ponder! (gasps) Oh no! He's gotta ponder the orb! It's it's a giant globe-sized crystal ball. So, yeah, he, he looks into this big crystal ball, and he sees his friends in trouble. Uh, So then he is upset because, again, he's got big leader vibes and some leader I turned out to be. And he's distressed that, you know, he's failed. You know, he's he's succeeded at finding the circle, but he's failed his people. He's failed his team yeah. that was depending on him to lead them. Yeah, because apparently his fear, well, other than stairs disappearing behind him, <laughs> was like, oh, I'm a bad leader. Hey, man, well, everyone... Everyone should be scared of stairs disappearing behind them. That's a well, bad thing to happen. The stairs disappearing behind them could be a metaphor for as they've progressed further and further, they've lost their way in the past, and we cannot turn back now because it's doom. So we got to keep going forward. Yeah, I, I can no see other that. choice. It's a metaphor. It's all just or a it's metaphor. Just creepy stairs. <laughs> And then he realizes uh, something that Dungeon Master, one of the cryptic things that Dungeon Master said earlier was that they were going to need to... Oh, I didn't write it down word for word. They need to overcome Mm -hmm. themselves. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so, it's like overcome something inside them or whatever. Yes. So he realizes that what they really need to do is fight their own fears, and this is putting them against their fears. Sh- Sheila is afraid of being alone. Uh, like I said, Presto is afraid of being helpless without his glasses. Eric is afraid of everybody laughing at him. Uh, Bobby is afraid of being too young, and Diana is afraid of, what? like I said, presumably losing her physical prowess to age. Yeah. I wonder if she's like a gymnast in the real world. Presumably, like all their abilities seem like based upon and based upon their feel. Like Sheila is like afraid of being alone, but can hide invisibly. So and that's twisting around that. Olympic gymnasts were kind of part of the cultural cachet the at the time. 80s, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that would. So he can, t- you know, he can talk to them through this orb, and they all hear him, and he explains that this wants them to be afraid and they need to overcome it. Yes. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. (laughs) Yes. Fear is their greatest enemy. Uh, So they do. Uh, In in Presto's case, he manages to pull out an aircraft carrier. (laughs) (laughs) Scares the banshees off. He's actually trying to do that and it works for once. He just yanks out the USS flag out of his hat. Yes. Just, you know, that works. Scaring the banshees, sure. But yeah, everybody basically just wills themselves to overcome their fears, and everybody is okay. Uh, so, also, I like it when uh, Bobby and Diana are fighting against the zombies. Tiny baby Bobby says, I'll beat you up! <laughs> Which is exactly right. Hmm. Anyway, so they make it out of the tower, and then they walk up to Stonehenge. Yeah, they get out of the tower, they overcome their fears, and they get the circle, and yeah, they are apparently meeting our skeleton buddy in Stonehenge, but it's like on top of a hill, and it's like the flat top of a hill, and it's just, it's Stonehenge. Well, where else are you going to hang out when you're a skeleton warrior? Yeah, (laughs) we should do an episode of that sometime. Yes. So they get up there, and Dungeon Master shows up and is like, "You know this guy is hella sketch, right?" Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to explain what this guy told the campfire story. He left some details out. Yes, apparently Decion betrayed the other Celestial Knights, uh, and he says evil deeds always come full circle, and they never end until. I the circle never, is broken. Yes, they wink, never end until the circle is broken. Wink, wink. But yes, then Venger <laughs> the shows DM up poofs out. with yes, and then DM poofs out as he does. Uh, Venger well, yeah, arrives they say, on his like, nightmare. But before he poofs out, he says, "Like you have to decide what to do with the ring now. Do you want to help this guy who was a traitor, or or do you want to try and get yourself home?" I'm not going to explain how to, the ring works. I'm out. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how this works. I'm, I'm and leaving. then suddenly Venger is there. Yes, then Venger flies in on his nightmare. Uh, he takes the circle from Decion and like starts shooting beams with it. Uh, and yeah, this... well, he shoots beams anyway. It's hard to tell the difference. And also, he declares that since he seized it himself, like took it from Decion, now he doesn't owe him anything. Mm. And then he says that he's going to, like, leave him there with six more skeleton warriors to command yes. and straight up is going to kill the kids. 
Yeah, like, he starts to turn Hank and like his Hank's face starts to melt. He yeah, he briefly starts skeletonizing Hank, and I'm definitely like picturing the notes from editorial. On yeah, script. it was it was very brief. It was like five frames, maybe. Yes, uh, but Dekion like, stands I feel up like to it, venture. I feel like in the original version of that, it's like, oh, Hank did turn into a skeleton. It's but it's like. Nope, you can't do that. Yeah, they're like, okay, Buzz, calm down. <laughs> it's like, I want, but it's already skeletons. Why can't we have more skeletons? This also kind this fight also kind of feels like BSP got involved because Dekion is shooting lasers from his sword. Yeah, there's very much, like, nobody has a bladed weapon. It really feels like there should have been a physical combat between Dekion and Venger that they were yeah. like, no, you can't have him actually using a sword as a sword because that's like what do they call it when it's like something that kids can do like imitable. Uh, imitatable. Yeah, it's an yeah. imitatable thing. Act. Yeah, because yeah, uh. like nobody has a bladed weapon. Like, the, 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 Bobby has a club, it's not an axe. Yeah, uh, so... Even Hank's bow doesn't actually have arrows. It makes magic missiles that shoot. Magic. The, the paladin isn't a paladin. He's a cavalier who only has a shield. Right. The thief has no bladed <laughs> weapon to backstab. Nope. She is not doing backstabbing. She is just sneaking about and being invisible. Yeah, uh, and so they realize, they, they figure out what Dungeon Master's cryptic message was. And Presto runs to get the circle. Uh, Presto gets it, Hank shoots it, which breaks it, uh, and that hmm. starts a whirlwind, I guess, of the magic. Well, also, like, uh, Dekion, like, saved, like, got Hank out of the way from being fully skeletonized, like, he was actually doing a heroic act. Yes, he did a heroic that, that act, and magically, magically, he gets his skin back. Yes, because because he broke the circle of violence. Yay! Yay! Venger GTFOs over the course of all of this. Uh, the thing he wanted is busted, so he's not hanging around. Oh. Uh, so Dekion gets his skin back. He's a real boy again. Uh, oh, yeah, like, but like, I, like when the whirlwind hits him, it's very much like a He-Man effect. Like he has the power. It is like he bit. just doesn't raise his sword up and scream. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Uh, but like I said, I was fully expecting it to just put him out of his misery. So I guess this is nicer. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. <laughs> I'm happy for him. Uh, he blows a conch shell and summons a warbird, which is like full on Gandalf's giant eagle. Yeah, which, is the eagle immortal, or is there just random eagles that someone has been training out there somewhere for centuries this in is, case a celestial knight comes back? This is a very good question, because they did say that what happened with his celestial knights was a long time ago. Yeah. So I don't know if this bird has just been hanging around in the periphery, just like over a hill waiting, or... <laughs> What's the deal with this warbird? But he what, absolutely... Was the bird also a skeleton? I don't... Oh, then you got Death Knight mounts. Mm. Man, I love Death Knight so much. 
This is why I wanted, why I picked this episode out of the available options. One, because it was Buzz Dixon, and also because I was like, skeletal knight, you say. Oh, yeah, I was just skimming through after you decided we were going to do a DD. It's like, I was picking out, like, writers we know from Transformers. And it was like, skeleton episode, spider episode, and an episode that I saw many times as a child. I've, that uh, I vaguely remembered. I've occasionally, back in, when I was on Twitter, I asked people if anyone could who didn't know could guess what World of Warcraft class I mained, and no one guesses <laughs> that I played a Death Knight. Everyone's really like, druid. I'm like, no. Do people I mean, not know you? I guess they don't know. See, that's the thing is because I have like these separate aesthetics. Well, I have like the retro wave aesthetic, yeah. and then I have the Patagonia lesbian aesthetic, and then I have the Death Knight aesthetic. Elric Melbonet. Yes. More cock. <laughs> so sad, I love de- undead dude. Oh, I love sad zombie. I love sad <laughs> zombies so much. It's absolutely forsaken. Yeah. Oh, you're ever going to be in trouble if there's like a undead Loki story. Oh, man. <laughs> you can't make a god be undead. They're gods. <laughs> you can find a way, though. Yeah. So he says, Dekion thanks them and says that he will return when he finds their way home. And, and, and everyone... Just GTFOs. Yep, and they all, you know, explicitly comment that he was redeemed by his actions, and now he's a celestial knight again. Mm. The end. So, oh, th- there's was... also a comment like Eric talking about. Oh, what does he say? Like stupid unicorn under his breath, and they Aww. ask him, "Did you just insult the unicorn?" And then, oh, what the fuck? He he covers for it. <laughs> Something about silly uniform or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I I caught that. I caught that. Oh, Eric. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... This is pretty good. Yeah. Especially for, like, an 80s cartoon. This is pretty good stuff. (laughs) Yes, there's a good lesson in it. It's not as violent as it could be. It definitely kind of felt like it wanted to be a little more violent, but, you know... Yeah, but also it, like it, it did kind of feel like a basic D and D session. Oh, this skeleton shows up and wants us to do a thing. We're originally sketchy about him, but then, like he turns out to be good in the end. One of the players decides that their character trusts him, and hmm. they all decide to go along with it because you know a good D and D session has a little bit of improv. You want to do the in a dungeon. We're trapped in a dungeon, not so much with monsters, but with our own fears. Yes. You want to do that? Yes, and. Yeah, that's that's oh. good character stuff, man. Oh. I This show, honestly, like, has a lot better character work than a lot of shows at the time. Yeah. Again, Turbo Teen was on at the same time, and well, yeah. Turbo also, Teen it's was like, awful. There is no ongoing story between episodes other than we want to get home. Yeah. There's just but it, it does trickle. manage to convey good character. Yeah. And Eric being a dick. Yes. Uh, he's such a jerk. He's so awful. So yeah, that was fun. I, you know, I might have to watch more of this, especially if it's only oh, 27 episodes. That's not too bad. Yeah. And they're readily available on YouTube at this point. 
I have heard that, like, Roku occasionally has mm-hmm. just channels, and there apparently Hasbro's doing a Dungeons & Dragons channel uh, oh, that is yeah, going that, to... It's in- going to be on... That's going to include this show along with, you know, various... Bunch of Let's Plays and things. Yeah, yeah. lots of Let's Plays and stuff. So this is a show that they're... I mean, Toys Epic came out this year. Yes. So Which this is, is amazing. This is a show that they are still like invested in, especially because now they own. You know, this wasn't like I don't know if I don't know who did the old eighties D and D toys. Oh, but you know, it was Marvel Productions doing the cartoon. Which, mm. but basically, the point is Hasbro owns D and D now, so it's like yeah their ip and they can do what they want with it uh so um, it's not a huge surprise that they're invested in doing stuff with it though you know there's certainly other ips that they're not doing anything with uh so yeah yeah. it it would be nice if they actually made a new cartoon that would be cool that would be cool but i think i kind of feel like you know, like, they're doing the Critical Role stuff, and I think they're kind of happy at this point. They did the movie, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and it, they're, they're doing a... They are doing a TV series, I think, or, like, some streaming series. But it does kind of feel like, for the most part, they're happy to let fans produce their own stuff to a certain extent. Mm. So... But yeah, it's that was that was a pretty good show. It's surprisingly good for its time period. Also, Skeleton Knight. Yeah. Skeleton Knight. Yeah, there, there's there's not a lot of depth in it, but there's a lot of good character. Especially what I'm a big sucker for is the Skeleton Knight who's actually good even mm. if maybe they did some bad things. That's I'm I'm there for that. I'm here. I'm here for this episode. Uh, so yeah, anything else to add for this week before we wrap up? Uh, no. Hopefully next week we'll be back to normal stasis pod. Uh, we will have a Patreon episode up at some point. Although, well, two big movies came out this month, and all three of us have seen them. So maybe for once we will do an in theaters now but Patreon. Uh, I had to go see movies in the theater and it was a lot yeah <laughs> it's just kind of, of a toss-up because we could talk about spider-verse or rise of the beasts real easily yes so yeah we we will have something exciting coming up for patreon this month and we'll have something else coming up for patreon once more things hit streaming once the current mm. things hit streaming uh so yeah that was that was a lot of fun uh, I will go ahead and wrap up. I guess I can say, I don't know how much with these special episodes, how much we do the like standard monthly wrap-ups, because I'm not usually here for them. I'm usually the one whose schedule doesn't work out. I know. It's, it's a basic. We, we have the, the basic. We, we have a Patreon. We have a, a Twitter, which we don't really use anymore. We have Mastodon now. We have Discord. Yes. I, all the stuff. I am running the Retro.Pizza Mastodon server, which is an actual URL that you can use now. <laughs> uh, that is Icon Underground at Retro.Pizza. Uh, I post the new episodes there. I'm working on maybe putting a little more news kind of stuff there. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, but yeah, you can find us there. That's the one that's most active right now. I am also at trickster at retro.pizza. And like I said, mm. I'm running the server. So feel free to come <laughs> sign up. Uh, if I'm not sleeping, I will approve new signups pretty quickly. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess that is that. Uh, and until next week, this has been Jen. And David. Good night. Good night.